feels like a college class or something. <laughs> After everybody studied late and good evening. There's that one kid who's excited. Who was that? Was that you, Grayson? No. <laughs> well, it is a pleasure to see you all here tonight. If you'll take your Bibles and join me in Ephesians chapter 5, please. After 23 weeks in chapter 4, we are now moved, ready to move to chapter 5. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 5, I'm sure we'll get to some good stuff in this chapter. And the wives are real excited about some of it. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Uh, Remember as we were finishing chapter 4, those last about 11 verses there are contrasting the difference between the old man and the new man. One is a liar, the other speaks truth. One is angry and wrathful, while the other is angry without sin. One steals, while the other labors to give to those in need. One tears down with their words, while the other builds up. And the reason for that is the new man is righteous. The old man is corrupt. The old man is bitter, wrathful, angry, clamoring, evil speaking, and filled with malice. While the new man is kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving of one another, because the new man will keep in mind that God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven us. Remember that chapter divisions are not Holy Ghost-inspired. They're put there for our help to aid us to find passages without a gigantic scroll. Uh, it's amazing what they were able to do back then and uh, memorize so much of that. We have chapters and verses, and sometimes they do not end at an end of a thought. Chapter 5 actually continues uh, what chapter 4 is saying. And so when we think about the contrast we were seeing at the close of chapter 4, we see more of that here in the beginning of chapter 5. And we know this because verse 1 says, Be ye therefore... Followers of God. Somebody once said, when you see therefore, you need to find out what it is there for. And so it is directing us back to something that has already been stated. Why should we therefore be followers of God? Because God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven us. Therefore, be ye followers of God. It's important to understand 
this word followers. It's um, translated as followers in the other six verses in which it is used. But this word followers, it isn't like you're just following a leader. It means to imitate, to mimic. We've had leaders in our lives that we don't imitate, right? Um, In my military career, I had a bunch of leaders. And you can be a, a follower of someone but not imitate them. And in some respects, that's a good thing because sometimes diversity is needed in the body, right? We have many gifts that differ one from another. And we wouldn't get a whole lot done if we were all identical. And we'd probably just get under our, our skin and just it would just be nerve-wracking. Because you'd all do what I'd want to do and I'd just get extra lazy, I think. But then everybody else would because they would think everybody... So... we need diversity of gifts. And uh, I've had a lot of leaders in my church life too, not only my military life. I I followed all of them. Um, Didn't mimic them entirely, but I'm sure I took away from many of them certain things that I liked and learned from some things I didn't like. In the military, you really have no choice in the matter or you go to jail. So if an order, as long as an order is not illegal, unethical, or immoral, you follow it. And um, in church, it's not that way. (laughs) I always tell the deacons behind closed doors, I do not have an AFI, although I have something higher called the Bible. Sheep don't want to listen to the Bible. But I can sit an airman down and I can point to an AFI and say, this is why you're going to do this because I told you so. And so a leader may be somebody that we don't imitate. We may not have a choice in the matter. And uh, in church life, there's leaders that we, de- we don't want to imitate. I can tell you I've been very blessed. We've been in a lot of good churches and have had a lot of good leaders. And a lot of those I would have no problem following, imitating, if you will. Now, before you assume that's a bad thing, The Apostle Paul said twice, be ye followers of me. Same context. Imitate me. Now, what the Apostle Paul would add in one of those is, be ye followers of me as I also am of Christ. And so what the Apostle Paul was saying, you imitate me imitating Christ. And so just keep that in mind. We certainly wouldn't want to mimic somebody who doesn't love the Lord or is imitating the Lord themselves. And so the thing with men, obviously, is we can find all kind of faults on why we do not want to follow them and why we do not want to mimic them uh, or imitate them. And, and those are all valid points because our confidence is not in men, right? Your confidence isn't in who stands in the pulpit, but it's who sits on the right hand of the Father. And so we just have to keep that in mind. But... Um, The illustration that's given here, the reason I'm talking about these earthly imitations and followings, is initially here it says, be ye followers, therefore followers of God, as dear children. Um, A dear child would be a beloved child. I wish every parent loved their children, but 
we have a history of that being proven not true. In fact, the Bible says, will a mother forsake her sucking child? And yeah. But God says, I won't forsake you. And when our mother and father cast us off, the Lord will take us up in his arms, the Bible says. But as dear children, I don't know if how many of you can identify with this illustration. I don't know if it resonates with you. Maybe your upbringing was such that that's hard for you to grasp. I'm thankful that I can relate to that, that I had a good upbringing. My parents loved me. And um, the, the thing is, though, um, parents give us many examples to follow. And what's, what's kind of precious at first <laughs> is children, especially young children, little children, will mimic their parents. And when they're little, it's pretty cute. And I may sit down a certain way and have a certain mannerism, and one of the, the little kids when they were little would come sit next to you and do the exact same thing. Right? Everybody know what I'm talking about? And that's kind of interesting to observe, and it's funny because mom and daughter are doing the exact same thing right now. Um, they're both doing this. And, um, and, and I think that's cute. Not them. Um, <laughs> children pick up on a lot of our nonverbal body language, things that we do, and uh, sometimes it's cute, and sometimes we see it and we go, uh-oh, because <laughs> it's not just young children, but it's children of all ages, and I think it's a humbling thought when we think about how much our kids are picking up from us. Um, they're, they're watching, and they're very perceptive. And I don't want to get hung up here because it's not really the context, but I need to take advantage to say a few things. Um, I, I certainly saw in my parents a strong work ethic, and now I try to mimic that. Because the humbling thought here is, what are our kids seeing in us? I saw in my dad a very giving spirit. I try to mimic that. I saw in my parents a very strong family bond. And family to me is top priority. I would step down from here in a moment if I thought I was losing my family. I saw in my parents a love which covered a multitude of sins. My dad did not whip me for the fun of it. <laughs> he had every right to exercise more law than he did. And I'm thankful that a, a loving parent, both parents really, covers a multitude of sins, and I try to mimic that. There are um, examples that we set that we don't want our children to mimic. And I don't know where you're at tonight, but you need to think about what you're doing in front of your children and, uh, and your grandchildren. And some of you may have great-grandchildren, I don't know. Some of you look pretty old. Um, amen, what are you, 44? Um, I'll pick on my wife since nobody else wanted to be picked on. Someone has rightly said, what you do in moderation, your children will do in excess. 
if you are lackadaisical about church, your children are likely not going to be faithful at all. If you complain and blame church for your problems, then your children are likely going to forsake church. Because it's challenging enough to have children turn out right in a good environment. Isn't that right? Um, Adam and Eve were in a perfect environment. And it's hard enough that we don't have to fuel their excuses. We don't have to give them excuses on why they don't need God in their life. But that's exactly what we do when we, when we run down our church, when we run down our preacher, and when we run down the standards and the rules that have been set in place. And what we do is we might do that innocently with ears in the back seat. We might do it purposefully and just vent. But we need to be careful because they're going to mimic what we provide for them. And um, this principle of they'll do in excess what you've done in moderation, it doesn't apply to the good thing. It's not likely that if you just kind of brush church aside that, and you go maybe once a month that they're going to go every Sunday. It doesn't work that way. It always seems to work the wrong way. Um, so the good traits, it usually doesn't apply to that. Why? Because we have an inherited sin nature. That's what we're battling against. Just because you attend every now and again doesn't mean your children will go to church in excess. Now, all of that was just a quick detour from the text. No matter if you've ever had a great earthly example to imitate or mimic or follow as children of God, we have a perfect heavenly Father that we are to mimic, imitate, and follow. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Now, what is the context here? Be ye followers of God, but how are we supposed to be mimicking God? That's what it's telling us to do, but what is the context of us to, to be mimicking God? It's, it's what the end of chapter 4 states. And it says there in verse 32 of chapter 4, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Can you imagine how much better an example Christianity would be to the lost world if we would all just be followers of God? If we could all just learn to imitate God's forgiveness. How much strife and contention could be put away from us and avoided if we just did what this verse tells us to do? It's such a simple principle, but in our pride, we make it very difficult to practice. I think we've all heard the testimonies of those who have said that they want nothing to do with church because of all the internal dissension, all the internal attacks. Why would the lost want to come to that? They get that in the world. I can't tell you how many preacher's kids 
I've heard say they wanted nothing to do with the ministry because they saw how cruelly church folks treated their parents. Why should we expect the world to be interested in our God if He's not big enough to make a change in us? And if we don't live like He's worth imitating, what kind of a God do we have? Why should we expect church kids to want to be the next generation of church leaders if all they ever see is constant bitterness, anger, clamoring, and evil speaking that happens within the camp? What if every believer who was not kind to one another or wasn't tenderhearted or wasn't forgiving of one another, would just ask themselves this this question, how does God treat me? If we would remember that God for Christ's sake has forgiven us, maybe we'd have a different attitude towards those who have hurt us. I believe it would eliminate all the internal divisions which are found in so many churches today and really so many families for that matter. But when we don't follow God as dear dear children of God, then we do what the old man does. We do all those things we covered at the end of chapter 4. God did not save us to remain the same. We are new creatures in Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The old man is passed away. The new man is quickened. And God saved us for His great namesake, which means we're to conform to God and not try to make God conform to us. Brother, you're going to have to turn that down because I feel a preaching storm here in a little bit. And so we got to make sure that when we, when we exhibit these traits that are just ungodly, sometimes we try to twist that and say, well, you know, God would have handled it this way because God back there was a, was a wrathful, vengeful God. Well, you don't, then you don't even really understand the Old Testament. And we try to conform God to us because we want to justify our, our lack of kindness, our lack of tenderheartedness, uh, our, our anger, our clamoring, our evil speaking, our wrath. We're not to be the same. I got to thinking, what all does the Bible say? This is just real quick. I'm sure there's way more than this. Leviticus 11.45 says, For I am the Lord that bringeth you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Ye shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. Matthew 5.48, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. In Luke 6, verses 35 and 36, But love ye your enemies, and do good, and lend hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great, and ye shall be children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be ye therefore merciful, even as your Father is merciful. 
We're to be forgiving as God forgives. We're to be holy as God is holy. We're to be perfect as God is perfect. We are to be merciful as God is merciful. So how are we doing at that tonight? Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14 say, Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. So we're to be like God. Amen. We're to be like God. Well, you just don't know what that person did. No, I may not. But it doesn't change Ephesians 5.1. But we're not done yet. Verse 2 says, And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. To walk in love means to live in love. It's our life. We, we, we love. And we've already seen several verses about our need for love in this epistle. And I was surprised to learn that love shows up in this epistle 14 times. I mean, it's a fairly short book here. We're only six chapters. Love uh, is, is throughout this. We saw in chapter 3, verse 17, that we're to be rooted and grounded in love. We read again that we are to follow an example here. We're to forgive as God forgives, and now we see we are to love as Christ loves. 1 John 4.11 says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. And the love that the Bible talks about, it's not the love that the world talks about. And, and really, we often throw that word around a lot without even really giving much thought to what we're saying. Uh, I, I know where I come from anyway. I mean, I love everybody, you know. I will love you. Uh, just met the person, you know. And, uh, and so, it, it's different. Um, we need to consider then, how does Christ love? Verse 2 tells us, that it's a sacrificial love. It's a sacrificial love. Christ loved us and hath given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God. Later in this chapter, we're going to see that husbands need to love their wives as Christ loved the church and did what? Gave himself for it. Sacrificial It's a sacrificial love. John 15, verses 12 and 13 say, This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. But then he follows that up with this. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. Sacrifice. Galatians 2.20, we heard a lot about yesterday at the pastor's conference, says, I am crucified with Christ Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. It's a sacrificial love. Christ gave himself, which means this, 
He surrendered himself. I was driving in the other morning uh, to meet Brother Furs here at the church at 6 a.m., and I was listening to a fella on the radio, and sometimes preaching on the radio makes you just want to go visit that church. And, and the preacher said, and he's nationally known, and, and he said this, uh, I'm so tired of people saying that you need to surrender your life to God. And if I said the name, most of you have his books on your shelf. That sounded like I was digging on you. <laughs> that, anyway, I'm just saying he's, he's well known. Um, but, but that's exactly what Christ did. He surrendered himself over to God's will for his life. Well, it got me fired up, and then I had to drive with Brother First for three hours, and it's just, that's just never good. Why should we do any less? If Christ surrendered his life, why shouldn't we do the same? Now, why did Christ surrender his life? Because he loved his Father, and he loved us. And that's the kind of love we're talking about. It's a sacrificial love. Now, we'll see more in this chapter how that relates to marriage. But is your love for others tonight sacrificial? That's the kind of love we're to walk in. But how many hold on to grudges? So many are bitter today, and they just flat out refuse to love the other party. And, and they'll hold on to things just as long as they can in hopes that it will needle the others that offended them. That's not loving as Christ loved us. Christ's love is an unconditional love. Christ died for all, even though not all would receive His love. Not all would receive that sacrifice. So we can't have this kind of love if we're making judgment calls on who we extend, we, we choose to extend that love to. That came out wrong, so let me try to say that again. We, we cannot have this kind of sacrificial love when we sit there and we're the ones making the judgment call on who deserves that love. And, and, and what we do is we just get bitter and mean and ugly towards people and we don't ever want to welcome them back and we don't want to extend them any love. But that's not what the Bible says. Think about how Christ loved even those who were crucifying Him. That might help us. I don't know. But while He was on the cross, Father, forgive them. for They know not what they do. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 45, the Bible says... Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. So we mimic our heavenly Father when we love our enemies. And because we are born at enmity with God... He loved us when we were His enemy. 
but he loved us anyway. He, he gave himself anyway. So perfect was Christ's sacrifice that we read here. It was a sweet-smelling savor to God. Now that's the picture when God in the Old Testament accepted a sacrifice. It was said to be a sweet-smelling savor. Kind of like when I grill ribeye. Say sweet smelling. Say I'm sacrificing that bullock on the altar of my my grill. It's not that God was ever well pleased with those sacrifices because we know they could not take away sin. So don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But God would accept the sacrifice and He would take pleasure in the heart of the one who gave that sacrifice. How much more then would Christ's sacrifice be a sweet smelling savor to God, right? Because He was so much better than those sacrifices, Um, which Hebrews tells us not only was he a better sacrifice, but he ushered in a better covenant that was built upon better promises. And there's nothing we could ever offer greater, uh, there's nothing we could ever offer to God greater than what Christ offered, if I'm saying that right, because we'll never be perfect. Um. Which is why, listen, I want you to get this little snippet. And that's why God says, I don't desire your sacrifice. I desire your obedience. Because the perfect sacrifice has already happened. And I don't desire that. I just want you to obey. Be followers of God. Love as Christ loved. Now, What's the application for us here? If we will be followers of God as dear children, and if we will love as Christ loves, then I believe that our lives can be a sweet-smelling savor to God. Because we're not called to be a dead sacrifice. We are called to be a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God. And if we will do what God says do, we'll obey His commandments. And that's what Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And if we'll obey Him, then we can be a sweet-smelling sacrifice to the Father. Christ's sacrificial love led to the reconciliation of sinners to God. And therefore, our love for others needs to be a love that allows for and, and brings about reconciliation not this divisive stuff that we see so often in churches but a love where relationships can be restored where we forgive one another that's what God is pleased in we need to forgive so that relationships can be restored We need to love so that relationships can be restored. But too often in churches, we have this camp mad at this camp and this camp mad at that camp, and there's not really a unity. But the Bible says we're to be of one accord, one mind. We're to be unified. And if we would do these things that these two verses tell us, I believe our church would be a sweet-smelling savor to God. So, are you being a follower of God? Are you imitating Him? Are you mimicking 
him. Specifically in that context, are you forgiving others? Are you loving others as Christ loved us? Do you have sacrificial love for others? Or is there someone in your life that you are still holding a grudge against? Look, the Bible says if you have ought, don't even come to the altar till you get that right. Is your life a sweet-smelling savor? Are you forgiving and loving others so that there is peace and unity in the body of Christ? And are we giving the lost world a reason to seek Christ? Because if all we ever do is backbite, what's the draw for a sinner to come to Christ? If we're no different than how the world treats people, then is Christ even dwelling in our hearts? So the challenge tonight is let's imitate our Heavenly Father. Let's show people the love of Christ, thereby making a difference in the lives of others. Let's pray. Father, we love you because you first loved us. You showed that love on Calvary through your sacrifice. And Father, you forgave us, and now you've called us to be a follower of you to imitate you in these things. And so may we as a, as a body, as Liberty Baptist Tabernacle, be forgiving of one another, love one another, that there may be unity, that there may be the spirit of the bond of peace. So God, I just pray you'd help us. And Lord, may when the lost world look upon us, they see a joy upon our countenance, they see something different in us, and that we're not bitter, we're not backbiting, And so, God, I pray you'd help us just to reach the lost. And, uh, Lord, if anybody's struggling tonight with this, I don't know. I just pray that you would help them uh, to go to that one that has wronged them or whatever. The other people may not even know that they've done it. And somebody may be hanging on to something without even knowing that the other person knew anything about it. So, God, I just pray you'd work in hearts. For Christ's sake, we pray. Amen.